Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Long fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. everybody welcome to another episode of the platinum sombrero coming at you a little bit later than usual why you may ask well if you haven't been paying attention on twitter yes one half of our podcast did bring another child into this world we'll talk about that in a second but first big thanks to our sponsors from armchair media to our friends at bed online as sports are now officially back still waiting to hear hoping football starts back on time but baseball's back nba is back UFC's been going on, NASCAR's been going on, Formula One is back, and we've got the EPL going on as well. BetOnline.ag is the place to go. you got a lot of time to make up here. you got a lot of betting that you got to make up, not a lot of time to do it in. Go to BetOnline.ag. There's no shortage of ways to get in on that action. If you go there, they've also, it's not just live games. They've also got simulated Madden games, uh, NBA 2K and UFC, like UFC 4, UFC 3, um, any of those EA games happening every day for you to just watch or to wager on. Uh, as MLB and uh, NBA and NFL are coming back, getting everything set up and into the throes of coming again, you've got future odds on everything you want. You've got uh, season win totals, home runs, division odds, championship odds, and in this weird sort of season, if you wanted to lay a line on somebody weird like the Royals or the Marlins, this would be the perfect season to do it. This would be the season where, hey, things get funny in a 60-game sample for baseball. There you go. Just go to visit. Just go to betonline.ag on your computer or your mobile device to join now and receive a welcome bonus. So, Doc. Yes. Things are uh, a little crazy. Um, as uh, I've been in pre- pretty much constant contact with you, as much as I've been in contact with anybody, uh, what was it literally about a few hours after the show that we recorded with Chris, uh, I was I texted you, told you that we were heading to the hospital. Uh, that one ended up being a little bit of a false alarm. But uh, for the last two weeks, I believe I've spent about a week and a half of that, at least 10 days, in the hospital. 
That certainly sounds like a lot. I got really nervous, dude, when you said that one of us brought a child into the world. I was really hoping that it wasn't me. <laughs> so that was Thursday we recorded with Chris, and and you were in the hospital until the following Thursday. Is that right? No, I want to say when we went in then, we were in there for three or four days maybe, came home for a day or two, went back in on Thursday, and then we just got home two nights ago. So we've been in and out of the hospital a lot over the last two weeks, but it was all worth it as uh, it was. we were able to bring it. I almost said I was able to as if I really did anything. Right. <laughs> Able to bring in uh, my my first son, my first child, my baby boy, Carter Maddox, weighed at six pounds, fifteen ounces, nineteen and a half inches long. Absolutely beautiful little boy. A lot of trouble getting to that point. A lot of scary stuff getting to the actual moment of seeing him for the first time. But uh, he's here and just in time for Brave season. Do you like him? Is he a cool kid? Can you tell yet? Oh, he's absolutely. He's awesome. He, yeah, he's. Uh, he'll be six days old at like 824 tonight, but, uh, basically six days. Uh, he has been just a fantastic child. Um, he's super calm unless he's cold or hungry, then he'll cry, but he's, he's pretty calm. He'll sleep pretty well during the day anyway, but, uh, gets big old smiles all the time. Likes, likes being held a lot. Pretty much the perfect child that I can, like far better than any baby that I had any part in playing a role in was supposed to be like, not like me as a baby at all. I'll say that the, uh, the pictures that I have seen, I mean, most of the time, uh, babies are somewhat nondescript for the first little bit. Uh, but even, even in the first couple of days, he looks a lot like Sarah. He's, he's got like this perfect mix mash of like both of our stuff. So he'll go through moments depending on what face he's using, where you can see me or you can see her. Like he's got her nose. He's got her chin. Uh, but he's got like my lips and, and things like my eyes, and, and it's it's really wild when you just notice the little parts of yourself that are in this like hybrid creation of you and, and the person you're with. It's like little things like his finger length uh, or his toe length, and, and things like where you think he's like Sarah thought she had, that he had hers until you get to look and then realize that his ring finger is is bigger than his index finger and. I have that as well. So I'm like, oh, nope, well, looks like those are my fingers. And, you know, just, just little things. It's pretty, it's, it's hard to describe, really. It's, it's a weird kind of thing. Like, you don't really have words that kind of express it. It's just different, I guess, is the best way I can say. Like, things are just different. No, man, that's awesome. You, you've known all along that this was going to be a, a life-altering experience, uh, just based on the anecdotes from literally every single person who's had a child. But uh, <laughs> right. You know, just even getting texts from you during the process was exciting. So I can't even imagine how cool it must be. And based on the timing, too, being able to come home and roll right into a season. Like I said before, uh, before we started recording, you'll be able to tell Carter that the very first baseball game, the first meaningful baseball game he ever watched was Jacob DeGrom against Mike Soroka, which is pretty doggone cool. It's very cool, especially considering that there was uh, there was a point in there where it looked like we might not, uh, I might not get him at all. Where uh, we had had a very scary incident that happened that um, kind of shows you. Everybody talks about when when you kind of hit your limit or where you find where your limit is, like how low you can go or how much you can take before you break. 
Um, nobody likes getting to that moment, but at least I can say that I've now officially discovered what my breaking point is. So kind of, it does lend a weird sense of calm though. Now, do you have any good, uh, sage fatherly advice you can provide for anybody? Um, I mean, I don't think I'm the right person to give you any fatherly <laughs> advice. I've been sprinting around trying to make sure that he breathes and changing poopy diapers. That's about been my sage advice. My sage advice is learn to sleep in shifts. Like, if you don't nap, learn to nap. That that's about it. Because I'm not a, I was not a napper before. Uh, I instantly gained a few gray hairs once we had them, and I have instantly lost the ability to comfortably stay up past midnight. So, uh, I have officially become an old man. My other advice is eat fast and realize that uh, as as the dad, your whole job has gone from enjoying stuff to like falling on small grenades so that giant grenades don't blow up. Like it's just you know <laughs> constantly taking like running interference, like taking small shrapnel blasts so things don't spiral out of control. It's about it. If this is where you're at during week one, by the time that kid is upright and and walking around, ooh. They might all be big grenades. I have a feeling that that'll be a little bit easier because he can at least, you know, eat himself or like I don't have to do everything for him, you know, or this we're not, you can't really do much because you have to make sure that he doesn't roll over or that he doesn't even put his hands over his nose, you know, little, little small things that you don't really consider until he's there and you realize things like crap, he can't really control his movements that well and babies can't actually asphyxiate themselves. By doing something as simple as rolling over, or if you sleep, like if you put a pillow or a blanket too high on them, they can't lift things off of themselves. So you know it's it's just a constant check of please don't please don't put yourself in a position to to hurt yourself. That's that's basically it. It's hey, just just lay still and relax. Yeah, I don't feel like you're asking a whole lot of the kid. <laughs> right, I'm not. It's hey, hey man, just just be still, be cool. Yeah, have the life I want. Just sit there and do nothing. But after, you know, after what happened, and uh, I don't think I've actually told you the full story. I think I've told maybe one or two people the full story. Um, we actually, we almost lost him and uh, almost lost Sarah as well. So it was, uh, it was a very scary day that day that we had him, the 19th, uh, which Sunday, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, by the way, the other sage advice, completely forget about like dates and times, like I could not tell you the day of the week if my life depended on it. I, I know the day he was born, July 19th, I could not tell you if that was a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, whatever. It just all blended together. I believe it was a Sunday. It was. Cool. I was right. Um, awesome. Awesome thing is all your jokes become dad jokes now, so that's cool. But uh, we went in there, and Sarah had high blood pressure going in, so they were kind of monitoring, monitoring her for that. And um, once you're going in there... She was always planning on having an epidural, and she she works with the doctor that was going to deliver. Um, doc, you know, she works as an MA in uh, OBGYN. So her doctor that she works for over there, she's worked with her for six or seven years. She's She was going to be the one to deliver Carter. Um, so we're, we come in there when we were planning. We had an inducement date ready. We came in exactly when we were supposed to. Maybe a few days. We came in about a week earlier than we were supposed to because of her blood pressure, and it was making her a little nervous. So we went in. Um, start getting her on the meds for that. Um, they start giving her the pain medicine for, you know, things like trying to dilate her cervix and, and all this stuff. And 
I would have her come on. She doesn't want to talk about it right now. I'll have to have I'll have to record her saying it so I can play it for the show one time. But needless to say, she knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. I'm sure that a lot of you women listening out there, uh, if you work in the same field or guys that work in the same field, I'm not going to judge. Um, probably know a fair bit more than me, your average dumb guy. But uh, essentially, taking a lot of, of medications to try to manage it and get dilated enough to be able to have him as a traditional birth rather than a C-section. Well, that was going fine, and she was hurting and and, in, and having contractions a lot. She wasn't really dilating very far. Uh, about two centimeters was the widest that she was getting, and that was after putting in. Uh, that was after starting or having her water broken artificially, or manually, I should say. Um, so they bring in the epidural, and um, with the epidural, they tend to use like she'd had different pain medications where she would have morphine with ibuprofen. Uh, then after that, they would give her fentanyl when she when she'd had her limits of the morphine and ibuprofen. They'd switch it over to fentanyl. And when they had the epidural brought in, uh, I suppose the anesthesiologist just decided he didn't want to have to come back up and make a second trip because he kind of made his dose stronger. Um, he souped up the dose, which apparently was a running theme across the hospital that night. Uh, and almost instantly after he put it in, Sarah started feeling lightheaded. They thought she was uh, they thought she was going to pass out, but turns out um, her blood pressure just just cratered and uh, at one point cratered all the way down to 60s over 40s uh, from being in the 140s uh, at the time went from 140s down to like 60 over 40 and lost Carter's heartbeat so they're getting her on all fours trying to scramble and there's about 20 nurses in there I've got no idea what's happening nobody's telling me anything uh, they got a different doctor that comes running in to help. They're putting baby mon- they're putting monitors on Carter's head so they can get his heartbeat. Trying to get uh, her stable so that they could do an emergency C-section. We go in for the C-section, and I couldn't tell you how long that actually that procedure actually was. It felt like it was like two minutes. Like once I got in there and uh, just sitting there with her, all of a sudden you you hear a cry. You see this baby looks like an alien covered in amniotic fluid. Uh, bring him over the table, wash him up, and uh, there was Carter. So, a very harrowing experience, if I could say that. Yeah, man, that's a that's a lot. Um, you had alluded to the fact that it was um, it was kind of a scary time. I would also like to point out this is the first time the words uh, cervix and amniotic fluid have ever been uttered on the show before. But uh, you know, I hate it. It, it seems like a most pregnancies have their own kind of quirks about them. You know, you'll, you'll hear stories about, Oh, it was, you know, I was in and out of the hospital and it was, it was nice and easy. You'll hear that like one, once in a blue moon and there's always yeah. some, some type of harrowing story that comes along with it, you know, where mom and or baby and or father are lucky to, uh, lucky to have made it out alive. So I'm, I'm so happy for you guys, man. That's really awesome. Yeah. Cause it was, uh, it was, it was for for a moment there. It looked like I might lose both of them. That was that was that breaking point moment where it's good to know that that is my absolute limit. So anything that is not that I can handle, I know because hey, I handled that. And anything worse than that, I will never have to handle because I won't be around for anything worse than that. So uh, at that point, it's kind of it's a it's, it's a weird kind of piece that kind of settles over you. It's like okay, so I know exactly what I can handle. Everything else is just kind of I can I can deal with. So that part, that part is kind of a, a cool sense of calm, but uh, being in the hospital so so long over the last two weeks, 
looks like I've missed a fair bit of stuff. We had Yasiel Puig, and then we didn't have Puig, and, and we've signed some other people, and now we're not going to sign Puig again. Doc, what's happening? You know, man, I I did two radio spots in the last week, right? Like, the day that the Puig thing broke, and then, uh, like, right after the, the Adams thing broke, and... It was it was the same guy, so I had mentioned to them the first time, like, hey, this could still fall apart. There is a possibility that that COVID protocols something something could still get in the way. So until you see it officially announced, then don't buy all the way into it. And I was really hoping that that was just some type of precaution that I would get to throw out and eventually ignore. <clears throat> but come to find out, he uh, tested positive for COVID and didn't sign with the Braves, and they went out and signed Matt Adams. I think it was. Within the next couple of days after that, Adams was uh, told he wasn't going to make the Mets, requested to become a free agent. We all remember the version of him that uh, after Freddie got his wrist broken back in 2017, he stepped in, had one of the best years of his entire career. Pretty much guaranteed a roster spot here just because they were trying to look to fill somebody who was going to do what Puig could do. And Puig is a little unconventional. He's got the reverse split, so Adams comes in. He, it's a little more natural. Lefty hitter against righties. Uh, he DH'd on opening day. He's not playing today against the Mets, I don't think, because I think Ozuna is going to DH, but we're going to see a lot of Matt Adams. I legitimately did not think we'd ever get to this point. It's possible that there could still be no end to this season, but uh, I'm just, I can't believe it, man. I've, I've been waiting for to watch the taste of that Cardinals game last October out of my mouth ever since about five pitches into it. You know, on opening day, when you're facing Jacob deGrom and he looks even better than he's ever looked before, he's pumping a hundo and painting corners. He's got a 93-mile-an-hour changeup. Yeah, man, that's just gross. I mean, and everything he threw to Acuna in the first inning was was above 99. So, I mean, you can't base your season outlook on one game against Jacob deGrom. Because the hitters, all of the hitters were behind every, on both sides, Braves and, and Mets, and across the league. I know people talk a lot about Garrett Cole, but can we just go ahead and just be fully open? Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. Yes, Garrett Cole isn't even the best pitcher in New York. Garrett Cole is good. Jacob deGrom is otherworldly good. I mean, going just going for the fact that no Mets pitcher had ever won back-to-back Cy Youngs, and you consider the, the guys that are in the history of the Mets, guys like, oh, I don't know, Doc, some, some really good guys, another one that happened to share a name with you. Um, oh, yeah. maybe this one guy named Feller never only one to ever get back-to-back Cy Youngs Jacob deGrom yeah including like Tom Seaver so I mean <laughs> he's Jacob... on a list with Tom Seaver and he's ahead of Tom Seaver yeah I mean Jacob deGrom is one of those that like in, I, I've been saying for years that if I was going to start a franchise then I would start it with Max Scherzer but honestly it's like a 1A, 1B for Scherzer and DeGrom. By the way, I said Bob Feller. I meant Tom Seaver. I know you did. I'm a little, little sleep deprived. You've slept six minutes in the last four days. We'll, we'll give you a little grace here. Well, I'm a little tired there. Just d- before anybody comes and yells at me, uh, <laughs> meant, meant Seaver. Uh, but that, that's, you know, that's just an illustration of just how insanely good Jacob DeGrom is. Uh, and at 31, you get these people like, oh, he's 31. He's going to go downhill. First off, he didn't break into the league very young because he was a shortstop coming out of college. He'd just been converted to pitcher. He's a little bit older before he got to start in pitchers. The pitcher's sweet spot is different than position players because you're not you know, impacting the rest of your body as much. So as long as DeGrom is able to keep his arm healthy, he can carry this over for a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to admit it. 
Jacob DeGrom might be my favorite player in baseball. Like, totally. In, in all of Major League Baseball, Jacob DeGrom might be my favorite player. He's certainly one of the, the most intriguing to watch. The, the frustrating thing with him is that he always performs so well against the Braves. I mean, if... If he's doing that against any... Is it, though, or is it just he does it against everybody? Well, he he does, but, I mean, in, in our scope. Like, if the Mets are playing the Marlins and DeGrom's pitching, like, um, I know what it's like to watch him beat good teams, so I can only <laughs> imagine what it's like watching him beat bad teams. And, you know, I, I have... There's no shame in losing to Jacob DeGrom. You know what I mean? No, there, there's no. no shame in it at all. And the good news is, and I almost kind of thought this was going to happen on opening day, was that when he came out, he pitched five innings and Soroka pitched six. I mean, the, the final score of the game was one to nothing. My first thought is, this is going to be like every DeGrom versus the Braves game. He's going to completely shut the offense down, but the Braves will shut the Mets offense down, and then it just becomes a battle of the bullpens. And the way that the Braves have been playing the past couple of years then they've been like the magic kids, right? They've always got to come back up their sleeve. So I was looking at it yesterday, like, just get him out of the game. I don't care how long it takes. And to be fair, we're a Braves podcast, so we'll stop waxing waxing poetic on uh, Jacob DeGrom here and talk about Mike Soroka, who the youngest opening or the youngest opening day starter in Atlanta Braves history for sure. Uh, absolutely dialed in himself, went toe-to-toe with DeGrom, but he looked fantastic. The fastball looked good. The breaking balls looked really good. The changeup looked awesome. Really, really good day for Mike Soroka. Really good day all around. It, it's been wild. It's been really cool watching the the, the first few games. Uh, the first chance you get to see the the new weird runner on second rules was if you stayed up to watch Oakland and uh, Anna or L.A. I should say Oakland and L.A. last night, and the runner on second promptly gets picked off, and then Matt Olson hits a fake grand slam because the runner started on second, so really it should have been a three-run homer. But a lot of intrigue going on yesterday. We've seen some domination from teams like the Dodgers, who we'll talk about in a little bit as they just look unstoppable right now. But we'll go into the first pitch today. We'll see Max Freed take the hill. Alex Jackson in the lineup as William Contreras gets called up because both of these starting catches for the Braves, Travis Darno and Tyler Flowers, were sent back to Atlanta uh, for – more COVID testing. They tested negative, but they were showing symptoms, so they were sent back anyway. This was that part of the season that everybody's known. Uh, while the numbers are still really good, it's once you start seeing the names that it can start really affecting, like especially fantasy, for instance, because there's already been some big-name players, including Juan Soto, uh, Jordan Alvarez, who are having to miss the start of the season and miss a little bit of time until they can... Uh, pass some protocols again. It's going to be a revolving door this season. The Braves are already using that 60-man to bring in William Contreras and bring in a few other guys here and there to to kind of patchwork some things up. It's it's not going to always be smooth, but after that first game, man, I'm so happy that baseball didn't just say, we'll shudder until 21. I'm so glad they decided to come back. They're, like I like I had said before, man, there, there's still a possibility that, that the league's hand might get forced. You know, this thing with Juan Soto, like the timing of it absolutely just sucks for Washington. And the ripple of that, because it, it happened on, th- he was uh, tested on Tuesday, found out on Thursday. So you kind of don't really know, you know, they have to do like the contact tracing and see, because there is a possibility that like everybody in the Nationals clubhouse has COVID. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but you have to operate under worst possible circumstance. And then you can take a deep breath later when you say, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but 
if something like this, if you find out about something like that, you're not going to see a situation where a team like just has to shut its doors and say, if the Nationals just say, hey, we're just going to bail on every game because this isn't worth it. We, as a team, are opting out or something like that. And the, and the fact that, that Soto's a superstar versus um, you've somebody who's not a superstar getting it. I mean, you can't really like play favorites or, or like chalk it up to the to the tiers of players that are you know because because Freddie was sick too. Um, but I don't I don't know. There's still there's still a possibility that after you know ten games, twenty, thirty games, then rosters are going to look completely different. You might see some more guys opt out and say, "Look, I I thought I felt comfortable with this, and I don't." And it hits home with the Braves with Flowers and Darno, both. Uh, symptomatic but testing negative, which seems to be kind of like the antithesis for how it's going from some other people. You're seeing, you know, uh, Soto was asymptomatic, but he tested positive. So I don't know, man. I, I'm so happy that we're here, and I'm I'm trying so hard to put on my optimistic hat, and I just have to be kind of guarded about this. But for now, look, until until they shut everything down, like we're recording this, it's 155 right now. I'm going to like fast track the editing on this so I can make sure we get everything ready to go back out and watch the 410 game because I'm just <laughs> so excited. I'm not missing it. It's Max Free Day. Are you out yeah. of your mind? It's Max Free Day. We've got Acuna playing. We've got Camargo starting at third base. Riley's in left field. The lineup for today, or I don't know the exact lineup. I think if I were to guess it off the top of my head, I could probably. I saw it a little bit ago. Uh, Acuna, Albies, Freddie, Ozuna. Um, I know that top four. Think Duval was fifth, maybe. Um, sounds right. Sounds like Duval. Uh, then Dansby, Camargo, uh, Alex Jackson was batting ninth. So that leads you. That. So who am I missing? Left field. No, I got that. Oh, Riley. Riley's probably batting. Bingo. <laughs> Riley, yeah. I think, is batting. Seven. I think Riley's batting fifth. Actually, I, I don't care, but. Basically, more importantly, is uh, Ender has the day off today as, as the Braves are facing a lefty and Steven Matz, I believe it is. So Camargo gets to start at third. Riley moves to the outfield, which is something you and I talked about where we hoped that would happen because Riley is actually one of – is surprisingly good, surprisingly adept, and surprisingly athletic, a, a pretty good defender in left field. Ozuna, who is a good – has been a decent defender and has looked good his first two opportunities. He gets to DH today, rest his legs a little bit, which is something that I hope is a theme since the Braves have 20 games in 20 days here. Hopefully, be able to spread that around. And hopefully – what it shows is it looks like Stint might really be taking to task this the – the challenge of actually using utilizing all of his players and utilizing them correctly without letting anybody get too cold or overworked. So excited to see that. We'll see. Was it Sean Newcomb? I believe tomorrow, or is Fulty tomorrow? Is Fulte, did Fulty get the three spot in the rotation? Fulty got the four. Tomorrow night's going to okay. be Newcomb, Newcomb against Rick Porcello. Yep, and that is uh, according to friend of the program Gabe Burns. That will be when William Contreras makes his first start. Wonder. I should mention we we didn't mention this yet, but the uh, the Braves hurting my heart and bringing in uh, a Reds player that was not Derek Dietrich by bringing in Scott Shebler instead. I did want to get your thoughts before we move on a little bit farther into actually talking about the game today. I did want to ask you, like, does it bother you that they brought in Shebler? I I don't understand why you'd bring in Shebler and not Dietrich because uh, with Dietrich it's literally just money. With Shebler you had to trade cash anyway, and Dietrich is better than Shebler and fits the team better. So I'm not sure why. Either way, Shebler's starting in the minors. Um, it just seems odd to me that you wouldn't bring in Dietrich. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Dietrich is clearly the much more relevant current name. Uh, I mean, both of them had really bad 2019s. Like, Dietrich came out like a house on fire for the first month, and then Listen, he was just real bad. After hold, that. hold up. Dietrich's numbers, like, when you look at his, his overall line, it looks bad. He had a better year than Marcakis. Definitely tells you how good the first part of his year was, but as as things got away from April, it got a little harder for him. Now, not to mention, you know, he might have just wanted to have signed with the Cubs because he because he did uh, that. That is where he wound up. But for a guy like Shebler, I mean, he's going to be a flyer anyway. He's only had one really good year of his career. He had 30 home runs in 2017. Even even then, he's going to be one of those guys. He's kind of like he's kind of like Matt Adams light in that he's going to give you some power. He's going to strike out probably more than he should, but he's he will give you enough power to where he's going to hit like 200 or 220, but his OPS is still going to be like 750 because the hits that he's going to give you, he's going to give you some doubles. He's going to give you some home runs. Now, he's been wrecked by shoulder issues. That was the biggest thing with Shebler. Um, as for why the Braves didn't get Dietrich, I think you're right about the... Uh, about the fit on the team. I mean, he that's that is a swaggy dude. Derek Dietrich absolutely is. And it would be really interesting to go from like, you know, Dietrich was super aggressive with the Pirates last year. He's basically like uh he's kind of like Yasiel Puig, honestly. Um, you know, equal equal amounts of swagger there, but uh I don't know. I mean, the Shebler move it's interesting, it's depth. And and if you're going to rely on anybody in a season like this, you're going to want a guy who's got Major league experience. It's the same reason why you would opt for somebody like Josh Tomlin over Tucker Davidson, right? Like even it, let's say that that an outfielder goes down, and and you know Riley has to stick at third, and they're, they're, let's just say they're down an outfielder. Do you go Christian Pache or do you go Scott Shebler? Well, you should probably go Christian Pache, but if you're in a short season and you're trying to plug in somebody who has some level of proven experience, you know. Tomlin's not the sexy option over Davidson. Shebler's not the sexy option over Pache. But if you want somebody with the track record, even if it's only like this long, then, you know, that's kind of what you might have to prioritize in a season like this. Weird signing, probably won't ever see him in a Braves uniform. I'm going to be honest. My my goal here is if things get crazy, uh, that you just sell out and go ahead and be bad. Get all the young guys a ton of experience. Be bad so you can come back and get Kamar Rocker 1-1 next season. Oh, please. Now, dude, Kumar Rocker's already got a custom-made Orioles uniform. Listen, it, well, if the Orioles go out and win some games this year and other teams don't, like, this is what I'm saying. Team like the Royals, who already announced that Brady Singer, Brady Singer's making his first start today. Brady Singer's nowhere near ready. But this is the perfect time. If, you, if they're in super future plans and you're a team that's not going to be good, you don't care about sucking in a 60-game season that's not going to matter five years from now, this is a chance where a really smart team could expedite a rebuild by jumping up and getting a super high draft pick. Like, the Tigers could start Spencer Torkelson. They could suck by starting Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, get those guys all the development they need, then go out and have their pick of whoever they want. Like, if, if I'm the Braves and there's any, like, if Freddie goes down or Acuna goes down or Albies goes down, instantly... Young guys, here we go. Let's go ahead and get you guys experience. Do not care if we lose. 
but nah, that's the thing though, man. The Royals, even whether they got Brady Singer starting or not, they're gonna go 22 and 38. They are gonna suck. They're gonna be in contention for for the first pick overall again because that's where they are in the cycle. The Royals won the World Series five years ago, you know. But the Braves are supposed to win the World Series like now. We want to see Pache. We want to see Davidson. We want to see all of these guys. But you know what? What I want to see is a World Series, and I feel much better running out Marcelo Zuna and Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies instead of saying. Let's get some reps for Braden Shoemaker. Huh. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. If something happens though, and one of those main cogs goes down to where you know you're not winning the World Series, like if you ever get to the point where you know you're not winning, just punt it at that point. Go switch to the development route. Like if you know, like all right, if Acuna goes down, knock on wood, and gets hurt, and we know he's not going to be able to finish because it's 60 games, and any three week injury has now essentially assured you're going to miss half the season. Don't hold on to something. Don't hold on to something just for the sake of holding on to it is what I'm saying. This is a season to think tactically. Go for it and go all out until you don't until that option is no longer the smartest option is what I'm saying, I guess. Like it's not like a hundred it's not a hundred and sixty two game season where, you know, things get crazy and you can make some moves at the deadline. There's not like you're gonna make a ton of moves at the deadline right now, because even if you do, there's no telling about when they're gonna be able to get in and get tested and get onto the field. So this season, I mean it's less than half of a normal season, if things don't go your way out of the gate, like let's say the Braves lose 11 of their first 12. I think you and I can agree they're done at that point, right? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you there because that's like that's like losing 25 of 26. You're You're done. I have a rebuttal for you, but before I give it, I just want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by betonline.ag. And we are also brought to you by the fine folks at Manscaped. Look, we got some feedback last week from one of our new listeners that I might be overplaying my hand a little bit on these Manscaped ads. Sorry for that. I like to make them ridiculous because trimming your body hair is one of those dirty little secrets, okay? We all do it. It's just a question of how we go about it. It's an uncomfortable topic. It makes me nervous. I laugh a lot. And so I'm trying to make you laugh too. But the folks at Manscaped, they have all the tools to let you be nice and tidy in the areas where it matters most. They have this new offering. It's called the Lawnmower 3.0. It's designed to contour all of those spots. You shouldn't be willing to talk about in mixed company, much like politics and religion. the battery lasts for an hour and a half, so it takes you like five to ten minutes to clean things up. You can get anywhere between nine and eighteen uses. And not to do that thing where I overplay my hand, but speaking from personal experience, I promise this thing works. So go to manscaped.com, use our promo code armchair for 20% off and uh, free shipping on your order. That's a really good deal. Manscaped.com, promo code armchair. Might have to be in all caps. I'm not positive, but I'll look into that for you guys. 20% off and free shipping. No frills, no nonsense, no nicks, dings, or cuts. Manscaped, if you're feeling crazy or if you're feeling your nuts. So here's my counter (laughs) argument. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Uh, that's my fault. They just announced this week that they're doing expanded playoffs, which it was like they put this rush order on doing everything. It was like, we have 25 hours. We can cram something else weird into this season. So they did it. So now the Braves have to be, it's going to be all first and second place teams. And then there's going to be a seven and eight seed that are the, the leftover best teams. So there's still a possibility that in the instance that they can't, they can't win the division, they can still make it. There's going to be a team this year that makes the playoff under 500 record. So if it's the in the Royals cycle, like the Royals t- uh, tanking became such a big deal 
it's just such this hot button phrase. The Royals should be tanking right now because they they're in that spot, much like the Braves were a couple years ago. You get the prospects, you get enough of them to where it's like not some of these guys are going to miss, but some of them are going to hit. Some of the ones that we were expecting to hit will miss. Some of the ones we were expecting to miss will hit. Eventually, we're going to have a big league roster of these guys. And you take a year like this, you don't even really have to to. This isn't even like a conventional year as far as losing goes, because being a crappy team and finishing with a winning percentage of like 350 or something, it's only 60 games. You know, it's not like you have to sit through another 100 of your team sucking. You can moderately suck and get a really good draft pick this year. So, but that's not where the Braves are at in their cycle. That's why they're going out and they're trying to get Puig and trying to get Adam. They're, they're rumored to be connected to Josh Harrison. This is why they went and got Scott Shebler. They signed Julius Chassin. Not that he's like a mega asset, but you could do a lot worse. They have pitching, but they don't want they don't want to start Ian Anderson yet. They don't want to start Tucker Davidson yet because they want to have like these big league pieces. There's something about having some level of experience. And and statistically, Ian Anderson might show up and pitch better than anybody on the Braves roster. And I think that the team knows that. But I think they also know that there's a lot of value in having veteran presence. I hate to talk about it because it's it's kind of a laughable point. But at the same time, I mean, so what you get out of somebody like Shebler as far as leadership, would probably be more advancing something you'd get out of, like, Drew Waters, which isn't a hit on Drew Waters, but Shebler's been in the majors for, you know, since 2015, on and off, when he can stay healthy. Thanks, Chip Carey. On that note, we don't, do have you, to switch. No, don't do that. you got to apologize <laughs> to me for that now. That's yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, gotta, we do got to move on, though. We're running out of time. I'm on daddy duty here in just a minute. So uh, just looking ahead at the games coming up, like we said, Freed going tonight. Uh, Newcomb going tomorrow is Newcomb actually has hair, which was a weird thing to see now, but Newcomb pretty excited to get the season going. Big season for Newcomb, even though this is a season that's going to carry an asterisk. For Sean Newcomb, this is probably the season that's going to determine his future in Atlanta. Uh, same thing for, for Mike Fultonevich, as this is a big time for him. He'll be number four in the rotation. Kyle Wright will be number five, and he should be facing Miami, or is he going against the Rays? He's going against the Rays. Okay, so that'll be a fun little series. Um, There's a lot going on. Not to mention, though, I don't want to bury the lead. Doc about to have another work brought out. Another writing work, I should say. Oh, yeah. This has been uh, all of the... Over the past couple of months, I mean, there's been... The Talking Chop crew has done an amazing job of of keeping keeping on top of every single piece of news. Um, I have kind of faded into the background in that respect. You know, a lot of why I was brought on was to was to do game coverage, and you know, I it was really hard for me to come up with stuff to write about. But uh, as of Monday, I'll be back doing game coverage and everything. And I honestly, I'm just I'm so freaking excited. It's uh, it's been hard. My my relationship with baseball has been in a, a very interesting spot for the past couple of months so it's good it's really really feeling um things are starting to feel normal again at least in this regard (laughs) as normal as they're gonna feel this year but i do before we dip out completely i do want to ask you first impressions of kyle wright from the exhibition game what are you expecting from him in a 60 game season and will he be better than mike Fultonevich and sean newcomb I really liked what I saw out of him in the exhibition. I think that as far as um, stuff goes, I think that he is farther ahead of Fulty than this point, and that's hard for me to say because you know I, I'm a huge Fulty fan. 
Um, and, and I'm not I'm not super down on Fulty from what happened in the exhibition. I mean, anytime you give up back to back to back home runs, it's no good. I mean, none of those were bombs that he gave up. Alfaro's Alfaro's was a good pitch. The other two were not. Yeah, and you know, Fulty Fulty's relationship with the fans has always been a little testy, and now it seems like it's getting a little testy with the beat writers too. Yeah, by the way, can we just say let's just clear something up. Mark Bowman who who wrote that piece on Fulty, he's got an he's got an ulterior motive for doing that with Fulty. Fulty is one of the reasons why uh Roger McDowell was seen as past his prime and past his time because McDowell wasn't doing well with guys like Fulty, and specifically guys like Fulty, who at the time was the quote unquote young guy in the rotation. And the story came out that McDowell did not do well with young guys because he did not really respect young guys. So uh, it was Julio who just never liked Roger McDowell, which is why he never worked with him. And it was Fulty who had an actual contentious relationship with McDowell. The Braves decided to fire McDowell as they should have because McDowell is the worst pitching coach in Major League Baseball. And Mark Bowman is very lazy, and that was his one source for baseball, which is why, if you've noticed over the last three years, Bowman doesn't exactly break much anymore. He's always a, a commentary after somebody else has done the breaking. You know, for the most part, I really, I really like Bowman, but uh, there, there was something that was very Jeff Schultz like about that article. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed like he was picking on him a little bit. You know, and Fulty, look, Fulty did not have a good game, and then he went out and he blamed it on the stadium gun, where it's like, dude. Urania was yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, Urania is not throwing 104 mile an hour sinkers, but like, but the 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 part that people, yeah, the part that people kind of overlook here, like people think that beat writers are always going to have to be unbiased and, and you know, like neutral on everybody. That's just not going to happen. Everybody has guys that they just don't click with and they just don't gel with. I'm sure Fulty and Bowman have exchanged words at some other times. I'm sure Bowman has been annoyed at Fulty all the time. And Bowman's not a bad writer. Um, he is kind of lazy as far as updating his baseball knowledge, uh, as far as like what you look at in 2020 versus what you looked for in 2014. But Bowman's been around the team a long time, and he's he's very well respected by a lot of media members and by most of the majority of the common Braves fans. If you're not somebody who's into like cutting edge of baseball and, and keeping up to date with everything as it comes out, and if you're not a guy that actively looks for the new information, then you'll love Bowman because Bowman's gonna Bowman does a pretty good job. He does a very good job at being accessible to the fans. Uh, he's just got his thing, and he's he's never gotten over uh, Julio and and Fulty and whoever else costing him his inside source. And I get it. I mean, if I were in Bowman's position and I went from having a perfect inside source to having nothing at all. I'd be pretty pissed off too. It's just when you read pieces like that, Bowman is better than Schultz. He shouldn't be stooping to Schultz's level. Agreed. And so as it pertains to Fulty, you know, he, you made a really good point. This is for both Nuke and Fulty. This is going to be an absolutely crucial year. I mean, Fulty's coming up on, on uh, the end of his arbitration. So he's going to be, I think at the end of 2021, then you know, he's going to be done with ARB4. So he's going to be a free agent at the end of next season. But then again, if if he looks more like 2019 Fulty as opposed to 2018 Fulty, I think you could see a scenario where they legitimately consider non-tendering him. And it would break break my heart. But 
just based on what I've seen so far, and there, there's only so much you can tell from from watching five innings of an exhibition or whatever. But I mean, I think Wright, uh, he's got a little bit more movement on his stuff. He's got a little bit more velocity, and he seems to be really hungry. So I think it's possible by the end of this year, then your top three could be Soroka, Freed, and Kyle Wright. And I, th- this is not to discount Fulty, because like I said, I'm a huge fan, and we've all seen what he can do when he's on. It's just a question of being able to stay in attack mode and be in bulldog mode and not kind of get where he's, I hate to describe him as mopey, but sometimes he gets there. And we've we've all seen what he can do. I think most of us, anyway, are pulling for him. So Nuke Nuke's an interesting wild card. He's getting his chance, and I, I thought that it was kind of strange when they they announced last week that Nuke was going to get uh, get the third spot in in front of Fulty, and then you see what happened in the exhibition. So maybe they've seen more inside sessions, and and they have enough uh, ammo to say, look, Sean's the three, you're the four, deal with it. And so we'll we will be tracking Fulty uh, Fulty versus the Braves <laughs> for the rest of the year. It, it, de- it definitely will be a storyline to keep an eye on, as well as if we'll ever get Cole Hamels back. But for today, we've gone past the time that we thought we would. i got to get back down to Carter here in just a second, get ready for this Braves game. Docker, I know you're excited to watch Max Freed. I know all of you are excited to watch Max Freed. I am as well. Hopefully it's a great game today. Hopefully the Braves come out with a W. And we'll be back again next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.